We are starting a new series tonight. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and spirituality. And uh, I'm kicking it off with talking about the identity of the Spirit. And over the next couple weeks, Brad uh, will be talking about the Holy Spirit's activity and what he does. So tonight we're going to be talking about who the Holy Spirit is, and then we'll move on to what he does. Now you may have some images or thoughts in your mind about who the Holy Spirit is. You may think that the Holy Spirit's associated with dim lights, which we don't have tonight, right? Loud music or just continuous music, maybe goosebumps or some kind of weird feeling, some kind of warm feeling in your, in your heart, right? So hopefully we'll do some clearing up work about what the Holy Spirit is and, and, and who, who He is, uh, because I don't, think it's, I don't think it's those things. The Holy Spirit may freak you out, or maybe you've never thought about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're like, this is just kind of weird. It's kind of mystical. Well, I hope that tonight helps you. I can't answer every question you're going to have. So I just want to get that out of front. Hopefully you can discuss some things in your life, in your community group. But we're not going to cover everything. I hope this will be just a good launching pad for you to continue to learn about the Holy Spirit and how to be led by Him and how to worship Him. All right? So we'll get into things. Let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll get started, okay? Father, I pray that you would give us your Holy Spirit now to teach us about Him. Help us, Lord. We are needy. We don't see clearly, and we want to. We pray this through Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Well, to do this tonight, we're just going to ask three questions. The first question we're going to ask, we're going to look big picture, and we're going to ask, who is God? Because if we want to know the Holy Spirit, we've got to ask, Who is God? The second question we're going to ask is, who is the Holy Spirit? Seems simple enough, right? We want to figure out his identity. So we're going to ask, who is the Holy Spirit? And then the third question we're going to ask, which will hopefully set us up for the next few weeks, is why does the Holy Spirit matter? Why does the Holy Spirit matter? So we're going to say, we're going to answer, who is God? Who is the Holy Spirit? And why does the Holy Spirit matter? So our first question, who is God? God. Other than that big, you know, angry bearded man in the sky who wants to, you know, hurt everybody, that's not who God is. That's not the God of the Bible. The best way I could tell you about the God of Christianity, the the best way I know how is to say, God is a trinity. God is a trinity. Now, the trinity is not a math problem. It's It's not a confusing, mystical thing that we have to try to figure out in like a Rubik's Cube or something and try to figure out how it goes together. No, the Trinity simply says that God is a community, that God is, is, is love. Now, here's how, the, here's how people have traditionally thought about the Trinity. Here's how Christians have traditionally thought about it. There are three persons in God, each person is fully God, and there is one God. Now, right now, everybody's like, whoa, you just said three persons and there's one God. Okay, the main thing to understand is that God is a community of being. He's a community of persons, okay? So how do we understand that? This is how we understand it. The Trinity is the good news that God is love, okay? So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, but if you don't get anything else from this talk tonight, know this. 
The Trinity is the good news that God is love. There are three persons. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. Now, persons doesn't mean they have a body. It doesn't mean that they are uh, humans. It means that they have persona, personality. They think, they speak, they feel, they act, they have emotions, they get angry, they love. That's what persona, that's what personality means. They are persons. Let's look at a passage that kind of shows how these persons interact. So you don't have to turn there because I'll just read it really quick, but it's Matthew 3. Matthew 3, 16 and 17. It's at Jesus' baptism. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting or, or falling or resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So what does this show about God? It shows that God is a community. God is a community. And as I already said, it shows the Trinity is the good news that God is love. Why? You're probably thinking, why? Why is it the good news that God is love? Well, if, if God is eternal, and the Bible says he's eternal, then that means if he's eternal and he's a community, he has forever, since forever past, been experiencing perfect love and perfect harmony in himself as a community. This is good news because this means love isn't created, so love can't be destroyed. The other gods and other religions, other so-called gods, this is completely different. This makes our God, this makes the Christian God utterly unique and distinct if other gods are loners, if they're just them, like Allah or the God of Mormonism or the God of Jehovah's Witnesses, if it's just a single loner God, he had to have created people to love and to, sh- to show love to and to get love from. But not our God, not the Christian God. He is a God of perfect community and love. So God didn't create you and me because he needed love. He didn't have some kind of empty void in his life. No, he created you and me to share. That's what our God does. He shares. He do, he's not empty or void. He is a perfect community of persons where there is eternal love going on. And we see that at Jesus' baptism. The Holy Spirit comes down and then the Father speaks and says, this is my son. How do, how do you know that? The Holy Spirit is resting on him. The Holy Spirit is going to fill him. I am well pleased with my son. There is perfect love, and I'm sending my son to share it with you. So our God is utterly unique, different from every other God, different from every other so-called God. So this Father sends the Son into the world to do what? What does the Father send the Son into the world to do? To be the perfect, Spirit-filled person that you and I could never be. That's what we see at the baptism. The Spirit comes. He's not a dove. It's not like the Holy Spirit is a bird, which would be weird, um, and it would be hard to worship a bird, uh, unless you're like a Falcons fan or a Ravens fan or something like that, right? So the, the Holy Spirit's not a dove. It just it says it looked like a dove, and it, it came and rested on Jesus. And it was, this, it was this way that the Father could say, this one, this is the one whom will be filled, who will be filled with my Spirit. He will be the perfect person that you all could never be. And, in, and so, so Jesus comes as the perfectly spirit-filled person 
to live the life we should have lived, right? Because we, we're not spirit-filled, right? Before, before knowing Jesus, we don't have the spirit. We're sinful. He lives the life we should have lived. And then he dies to, to take the wrath of God, the holy, righteous anger of God that we deserved for our sin against an infinite God. He takes that on the cross. That's what we're, that's what we're going to be celebrating at Easter on Good Friday. And then he, he rises from the dead. And, and he does this so that all who believe in him not just have eternal life, but, but Second Peter puts it this way, so that you may be, and this is so cool, so that you may become partakers of the divine nature. That, how cool is that? Jesus came, he lived the life you should have lived, he died the death you should have died, so that you could become partakers of the divine nature, so that you could actually have God in you. And if you're a Christian here, you are way more like God than you think you are. Let me just tell you that. If the Holy Spirit's in you, you're way more like God than you think you are. And how do we experience this? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. So that brings us to our second question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Because that's how this sharing is possible. If God created us to share, to share his love with us, he's got a way to do it. Because Jesus is great. But Jesus means nothing without a Holy Spirit that that would share this, this good news that we could become partakers of the divine nature. We could share in the divine community because of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now I, I realize at this point this is probably very abstract, but I want you to know when you have the Holy Spirit in you, God starts to open up your minds. And if, if you're like, I don't get any of this and I don't really want to know, I'll just be honest. You may not have the Holy Spirit. It, it's kind of circular, but that's how God works. When you get the Spirit you start to hunger. And even if you don't understand all this, you're saying, this sounds good. I, I want to be a part of a beautiful, perfect community that always has harmony. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you all long for that? Don't you all like, you clamor for that every day at school. You want to be a part of these communities where you think you will find fulfillment. And that's what God offers in himself as a trinity. And he shares that with us by the Spirit. So our second question who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit, here's a quick way to put it, he's the member of the Trinity who makes experiencing the Christian life possible. The Father doesn't do that, the Son doesn't do that, the Holy Spirit does. He, he makes experiencing this Christian life, this divine community, that's what the Christian life is. You're participating with God. Like, get that. Like, I'm still trying to learn that. Whoa, like, mind bomb. You're participating with God when you have the Holy Spirit in you. Cool. I don't know any other way to put it than cool. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, the Holy Spirit, we could, we could kind of narrow it down to two things. He's God, and he's a person. He's God, and he's a person. So let's look at some passages here that would maybe help, help us see these things from Scripture. Uh, Acts 5. Turn to Acts, 1, uh, Acts 5. We'll have it up on the screens, I think, right? Next slide. There we go. So the Holy Spirit is God. How do we know this? How do we know that he's God? Well, thankfully the Bible tells us. So here's what it says in Acts 5, 1 through 4. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So what the church was doing was they were selling their things and 
bringing money for the gospel to go out to the world. Then Peter said, Ananias, you hate being caught by an apostle, right? This, this stinks. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? So remember that, lied to the Holy Spirit. And have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. And then skip down uh, to the middle of verse 4. What made you think of doing such a thing? You have lied, not just to human beings, but to God. So here, what does Peter do? I mean, I'm just putting two to two together. He says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, Ananias, and you lied to God. The Holy Spirit, you lie to the Holy Spirit, you lie to God. It, it really stinks to be caught in a lie by an apostle. It stinks worse to be caught in a lie by God, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I don't want to scare anybody, but the next verse, uh, uh, Ananias falls dead. So uh, we cut that off for a reason, but I told you anyway. So, so yeah, Peter's making a point. He's just equating the Holy Spirit and God. Another passage, Psalm 139, verse 7. Uh, I put it up on the screen, and you can look at it. Basically, it just says, where can I go from your spirit? Spirit's everywhere. Like, where can I go? I can't leave him. Now, this, doesn't, this isn't pantheism. And if you know pantheism, it means that, like, God is everything. And it's not panentheism, which means uh, everything is in God. Okay, you can look those up. Those are religious systems or worldviews. So it's not that everything's God. It's not that everything is in God. It's that the Holy Spirit's everywhere. He's not big. He's infinite. So we, oh, Holy Spirit, you're so big, or God, you're big. No, 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 no. God is not big. God is infinite. He's bigger than size, which is a contradiction, right? He's infiniter than size. (laughs) He's everywhere. The Spirit is everywhere. You can't leave the Spirit, and only God is everywhere. So the the Holy Spirit is, is God. The second thing, the Holy Spirit is a person. Turn to John 16, verse 7. Here Jesus is giving some final instructions to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And here's what he says to them. They're worried. You know, this is their master, their teacher, their Lord. They love him. They love him. And he he tells them this encouragement. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, a.k.a. the helper, the comforter, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. How do we know the Holy Spirit's a person? Jesus gives him a title. He says he's a helper. He's a comforter. He's an advocate for you. It's don't do those things. Forces don't do those things. People do. Persons do. Not, not human beings, persons, or human beings, people, but a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. He's an advocate. He's a helper. He's a comforter. Look at Mark 13, 11. Again, Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples before he goes away. He's about to tell them, there is going to be horrendous persecution coming at you. And, and us, he's talking to us too. And here's what Jesus says to his disciples. When, whenever you're arrested, not like if you're arrested, did you catch that? When you're arrested, hopefully not for something dumb, and brought to trial. Do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it's not you speaking. It's the Holy Spirit. So how do we know the Holy Spirit is a person? He speaks. 
It talks about this in Hebrews um, chapter 3, verse 7. The Holy Spirit speaks. So have you ever thought about when, if you're a Christian here and you've, you've been in a confrontation at school and, and somebody's mocking you or somebody's belittling you because you're a Christian and you just don't know what to say. Like I told you a couple weeks ago, I, I did some evangelism in San Diego for a summer. And, and there were times where I just didn't know what to say. But you know what? The Holy Spirit just, I just started talking. And, and God was using my words to make what I was saying helpful to the person. I mean, it's not like they fell down on the sand and started worshiping Jesus, but I started, I gave a defense for Christianity. I gave a defense for Jesus. It was coming from my heart. It was coming from my mind, but it was the Spirit doing it. And so if this is true, we need to give a lot more credit to the Spirit than we do because it's the Spirit who's making things happen in our life. So the Spirit is God. The Spirit is a person. He's not an it. It's wrong to call the Holy Spirit an it, all right? If you call the Holy Spirit an it, we'll get you, all right? We'll come after you. No, I'm just joking. But we need to call him a he because that's how the Bible talks about the Spirit, okay? So he's not an it. He's God and he's a person. You think about this, and you're thinking, now right at this point, hopefully you're thinking, if you're, if you're a critical listener, well, I can't see him, so maybe he's not real. Well, you know what? <clears throat> you, can't see, you can't see beauty, really. You can't see purpose, really. You can't see meaning. You can't see n- neurons or protons, you know? You can't put beauty under a microscope, can you? I don't think so. You can't put purpose under a microscope, you, you can't see the wind as it blows. When the air condition comes on, you can't see it, but you know it exists. And you can see its effects. Actually, in, in, in Greek and Hebrew, the word for wind and breath and spirit are all the same. The spirit's kind of like that. You can't, you can't see where it's going, but you can see its effects. And so just because you can't see something doesn't, know, doesn't mean it, it doesn't exist, right? We can all agree on that, I hope. All right, our third question to wrap up. Why does the Spirit matter? Some of you may still be thinking, why does the Spirit matter? Okay, he's God, he's a person. Well, he matters because he's God, right? If God's real, he should matter. But the Holy Spirit really matters because he does some amazing things. And I'm just going to try to whet your appetite here. Brad's going to be fleshing this out over the next few weeks. But I want to give you a little intro to what the Holy Spirit does because he matters so much. There's this part in Acts where Paul meets some people uh, who haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like there's a lot of Christians who act as if they've never heard of the Holy Spirit. But remember, the Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity who makes the Christian life possible. And so in order to live the Christian life, in order to experience what God has for you in Christ... You have to know the Holy Spirit, and you got to know what he does. So here's some things that he does. I have this on your handout, so you don't have to write anything. I'm not going to read any passages. I'm just going to list off some things. In 2 Peter, it says that he guided men to write Scripture. So he guides. He guides men to write Scripture. And he guides us to understand what he has written. In John 16, it says that this is maybe his main goal. He glorifies Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is not a self-centered person. He glorifies Jesus. He makes Jesus look great so that we're called Christians, not Spiritians. You know, not Holy Spiritians. We're, We're Christians. He makes Jesus look great. He willingly takes the back seat. He willingly submits and makes Jesus look great. In John 3 and 1 Corinthians 12, In Ephesians 4, the Spirit 
unites us to Jesus and unites us to the church. So we experience fellowship with the divine community and with the the new community of God's people. The Holy Spirit unites us to each other. That's what he does. In 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, we'll probably talk about this during the last week of this series, the Holy Spirit empowers us for service. I'm teaching right now. Who's the one doing this? The Holy Spirit. And if you're understanding me, the Holy Spirit's the one helping you understand. If you go out and serve someone, if you go out and lead someone, if you're a Christian, it's the Holy Spirit doing that. So he empowers us for service. And in 2 Corinthians 3 and Galatians 5, he changes us. He gets all the credit. If I've made any progress over 20, 30, 40 years as a Christian, I don't say, oh man, you know, I just got up every day. I just, man, I put my gloves on tight and I tied my shoes tight and I just got to work. And I'm good because I did it. No, 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 no. It's the Holy Spirit who does it. How do you? How do you know if you believe that? You admit it. You just say, oh, it's God doing it. It's the spirit in me. It's not me. You know how hard it is to love people? Right? Yeah. If you love people, it ain't you. You got a track record that shows you stink at it. Just like me. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us love people. So the spirit is the one working in us. So, Think about, this, think about this quote. This is from an Orthodox bishop. He's, he died last year. Uh, don't be scared because he's an Orthodox bishop. There's this great quote. He said this. Without the Holy Spirit, God is distant. Christ is in the past. And the gospel is a dead letter. If there's no spirit, there's no hope. If there's no spirit, you don't participate with God. You don't get a new heart. You, you you are totally fleshly. You're just, you're just you. But when you become a Christian, when you believe the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. You can't like cut yourself open and like there's like some green glowing aura. You're like, oh, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, that's the first time and last you'll hear me sing. But that's not how it works. I, I don't know, I, I'll be honest, I don't know how it works. But I know that it happens. I know, I know that. It's the, only, it's the only way a drug addict could go from, you know, snorting cocaine on a Sunday morning one year, and the next year, he's singing to Jesus. That's the only explanation. It's the only way somebody could go from being addicted to pornography to not, and to loving their wife and their children, or living with other people in purity. It's, it's the only way these things can happen. So without the Holy Spirit, God's distant, the gospel's a dead letter. Christ is in the past. Christ is just a historical figure. Ah, but the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He makes the Christian life possible. God wants to share love with everybody in the room. He didn't create you because he needed you. He created you because you needed him. And he sent his son to live the life you should have lived. Died the death you deserve to die. Everybody in here deserves to die. So that whoever believes in him will not just have eternal life, but will be able to participate with God. You'll be able to participate in this love that God has. And if if you're a Christian here and you're starting to nod, you get a little bit of what I'm saying. You're like, yeah, you know, I've experienced that love. I know what that's like a little bit. And in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, you'll know what it's like a little bit more. So the Holy Spirit, 
He applies the gospel and all of its benefits to you. He makes redemption possible. And he makes living for Jesus possible. So, if, if you want to do this thing called the Christian life, you've got to know the Spirit. And, and you've got to be led by him. And, and if his main job, like I said, and, and I didn't get into this a lot, but if his, one of his main jobs is to make Jesus look awesome, then man, you should be living your life looking to Jesus. And how do you look to him? You look at him in the Bible. And so it's really easy to be led by the Spirit. You read the Bible, you love the Bible, you apply the Bible, and you're continually looking to Jesus. And you're continually asking, man, how does Jesus shape me? What has he done for me? How does he change me? How, how do I love him more? How, how can I worship this great God who saved me? That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. That's what it means to participate with the divine community. Like Peter says, to become a partaker of the divine nature. And I'm, I'm even saying that, and I'm like, James, you don't even know what you're talking about. I don't. <laughs> I don't really know. But I know it a little bit. And if you have the Spirit in you, you know it a little bit too. And if you don't have the Spirit, I hope right now you're saying, you know, I really want that. I really, I really want to know a God that is a perfect, loving community. I'm tired of the gods I worship. They actually take from me. They don't give. They don't share with me. Ah, but our God, our God does. And the only way we can know that is by knowing the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit, and we admit just right up front, it's difficult to understand. I'm saying that as the teacher, and I know that everybody here is probably thinking that a little bit. But Lord, we thank you that you're a God of love that you cannot be anything other than love because you're a community, because you're a trinity. And we thank you that you share that love with us, that you sent your son, and that the only way we could have that community with you, that we can know that love, is if we have your spirit. We thank you that he's God. We thank you that he's a person, that he's real, that he speaks, that he thinks, that he feels, that he makes redemption possible. He makes the Christian life possible. Help us to know him and worship him. We pray this in Jesus' name, only by the power of the Spirit that gives us the ability to pray. Amen. This is war, like you ain't seen. It's winter's love, it's cold.